leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. By using data from routine testing about the genetic evolution of the HIV-AIDS virus in the Canadian province of British Columbia, researchers have shown they are able to identify emerging outbreaks of the disease in near real time and intervene to control its spread. The first-of-its-kind system is the focus of a study in an April edition of The Lancet HIV. We spoke to Art Poon, Associate Research Scientist for the British Columbia Center for Excellence in HIV-AIDS and lead author of the study about the monitoring system, the impact it's had, and whether such an approach is transferable to other regions and other types of disease outbreaks. Art, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. We're going to discuss your recent article on The Lancet about a, a case study of real-time monitoring of HIV hotspots. Perhaps you can begin by explaining what the BC Center for Excellence for HIV-AIDS does. Okay. So the BC Center for Excellence uh, in HIV-AIDS uh, is a provincial agency. Uh, it provides all clinical services and treatments to all residents of BC, uh, British Columbia, uh, living with HIV, um, and that comes at no cost to the patients. Uh, that's uh, fully subsidized. Uh, in addition, the BC Center is a world-class center for multi uh, multidisciplinary research. It's probably best known for a couple of things. Uh, one is being the kind of epicenter for treatment as prevention, the concept that um, getting individuals onto antiretroviral treatment as early as possible makes them less likely to transmit the virus. And so there's a prevention benefit to, um, to antiretroviral treatments. Uh, the other thing is that the, B the BC Center is responsible for the scientific evaluation uh, for uh, pretty much the first um, uh, sanctions uh, in a safe injection site uh, in North America, Insight, uh, which has had a tremendous benefit uh, for the well-being uh, and clinical outcomes of uh, in the injection drug user population in BC. Uh, there are many other uh, research arms going on at the BC Center, but there are just uh, too many to name here, so I've just picked out uh, those two. HIV is a, a virus that evolves rapidly. You routinely test for resistance to antiretroviral therapies through genotyping. 
How can genotyping of the virus give an indication of the relationship one case of HIV has to another? So you're absolutely right. <clears throat> HIV evolves extremely rapidly. So an infection will become genetically unique in a matter of weeks or months because of the constant mutations that are appearing in the virus population within each patient. When we see two infections that retain genetic similarity, that tells us that those, those infections are related by one or more recent transmissions, that there hasn't been that much time since those infections, those populations, um, descended from their common ancestor. Now, this doesn't tell us anything about specific transmission events. It doesn't tell us that A infected B or B infected A, or it can't dismiss uh, other individuals uh, like C infecting A and B. And we don't want to get at that level of transmission. What we're interested in is the variation in rates of transmission, uh, trying to identify uh, uh, outbreaks of recent transmission at the population level. There's a, a lot of HIV testing that goes on, but for the most part, I take it these tests are done in isolation, that they're used to diagnose an individual patient rather than aggregated to provide public health monitoring. What's the opportunity from a public health perspective to look at this data more holistically and, and in real time? So looking at these data uh, at a population level has two key benefits from a public health perspective. Uh, the first is that it allows us to understand where the most vulnerable groups are um, to onward HIV transmission in the province and be able to get that in near real time because the HIV genotypes are already being routinely, routinely collected as part of standard of care. They're already accumulating at, at the, the BC Center. Uh, so this is a way of making secondary use of that resource. Uh, the second benefit is by looking at these data at a population level, it maintains a high level of data privacy. Because we're focusing on a population, we're not trying to get at an individual level. We're not, uh, in fact, we're designing the system so that you can't get at an individual level uh, of transmission. We're just trying to characterize uh, the patterns of transmission uh, at the level of populations. Well, let's walk through the study, which used a, a database from the BC Center for Excellence for HIV AIDS. What exactly did you do and, and what data were you looking at? So this, um, the system that we described in the study is built on a secure Oracle database uh, at the BC Center for Excellence. Uh, it operates through what's called a restricted view. And so the system can only uh, see uh, certain anonymized and non-identifiable uh, variables in the database. And so it operates on that restricted uh, part of the database. <clears throat> the system is made up of a number of scripts, uh, Python scripts that I've written, um, that automate the database transactions, um, process the HIV genotype data that it uh, retrieves from uh, the database, and then reconstructs uh, phylogeny, that's a tree that represents how all of these different infections are related through common ancestors. Now this is operating on roughly 33,000 uh, sequences that represents uh, almost 9,000 
um, people in BC living with, with HIV. Um, in order to do that, the system uh, communicates with a high-performance computing cluster uh, at the BC Center uh, through a secure encrypted channel. That's uh, how we're able to uh, regenerate the evolution and relationships among all of these infections uh, in a short period of time uh, and be able to keep things as close to real time as possible. The last step of the system is that it uses the information from this phylogenetic analysis to populate document templates. This is a combination of a, a templating language called Jinja and a document typesetting language known as a LaTeX. Uh, so these uh, <clears throat> these report templates are what we use to communicate results uh, to our partners in public health. And, and what was the result? And the result was that, well, first of all, we uh, we're able to generate network diagrams that visualize what's going on uh, with respect to the epidemic and with respect to localized outbreaks as they may occur. The limiting step was figuring out how to take these network diagrams and uh, translate them to public health. So to work with people in public health and understand the, how they view these diagrams and how they want to extract information from them. Uh, so, um, embedding these diagrams into reports that were regularly being uh, disseminated to public health, uh, our partners in public health, medical health officers, was an evolving collaboration that required a, a fair amount of time and really more time than it took to implement the system. Uh, the key result that we talk about in the paper uh, was an outbreak that is uh, known as Cluster 55. This was an outbreak of about 11 new cases over a three-month period. What was alarming about this uh, was, first of all, this was a cluster of an originally roughly 25 cases, so that was a very rapid expansion. Uh, and second, uh, eight of those 11 cases had transmitted drug resistance. And that means that those individuals had a virus that already carried a mutation that made the virus resistant to an entire class of drugs. That would rule out uh, first-line uh, antiretroviral therapies for those individuals uh, and is, is really clinically significant, uh, not only clinically significant, from, but also significant from a public health standpoint. As a result, that precipitated uh, a public health follow-up on this population. Um, that action uh, was followed by a uh, period of reduced accumulation of new cases in the cluster and also a market uh, reduction in the, uh, the uh, occurrence of transmitted drug resistance. You talk about the fact that the data was anonymized. Were there ethical or privacy concerns that served as any kind of a hindrance to doing this? So the ethical and privacy concerns of implementing this system were probably foremost in our minds while throughout the whole development period and remained remain that way. Uh, before I wrote a line of code to implement the system, uh, the BC Center spent years laying out the groundwork for the, um, the ethical and privacy framework uh, for the protection of individuals uh, working with the Ministry of Health in BC. It wasn't until that was in place before uh, we did any work in implementing the system. The system is designed to maintain the same high level of data privacy that exists in the BC Center laboratory. The idea is that 
we're not changing any of the um, anonymization and data privacy that's already in place. Um, any of the data that uh, the system operates on are securely erased from the hard drives the instant that the analysis is complete, for example. What were you able to do differently once you identified an HIV cluster? So what really changes with being able to identify an HIV cluster is being able to get uh, find vulnerable populations in the province. So one of the key objectives of treatment as prevention is the idea of getting to zero, that is the zero incidence of new HIV cases. In order to do that in a population where we've already been able to reduce uh, the, the number of new cases uh, by um, rolling out uh, treatment as prevention, the, the challenge is finding uh, where the new, the new transmissions are occurring in a large population. So a cluster identified by the system can represent a vulnerable group that can most benefit from HIV prevention services in near real time. We don't have to wait um, until that outbreak has reached a point where it becomes really obvious. We can look to the system and try to get at that outbreak sooner and prevent um, new cases from accumulating as soon as possible. The benefits of this approach, would you say it's, it's able to improve outcomes or reduce the spread of the disease? So I mentioned the, uh, the Cluster 55 uh, public health action uh, before, and that we found was associated with a marked reduction in transmitted drug resistance. There, was, there were new cases that eventually appeared over time in that cluster, uh, but the majority of those cases did not carry that resistance mutation, uh, that there was no transmitted drug resistance. Um, and so that suggests that the public health follow-up that was supported by the monitoring system was uh, at least partially successful in preventing uh, that onward transmission of drug resistance. We don't know if the system had a direct benefit um, because we don't do uh, some sort of case control study where we withhold uh, public health follow-up uh, in a similar cluster if we saw a similar outbreak and um, wanted to see what would happen in the absence of that public health action. Um, so we're still working out uh, and trying to understand how the system may improve outcomes um, and benefit uh, the population. Because this is the first of its kind, we can't look to uh, any other place for guidance. Uh, and the evaluation of our system as um, really something that's uh, groundbreaking is the sort of key objective for our, uh, our, our further research, trying to understand uh, and quantify, does this, uh, do these uh, interventions have um, a measurable uh, impact on HIV prevention? How easily replicated is this model? This model, um, for what, in one aspect, is easy to replicate because routine HIV genotyping is standard of care. And so there are a lot of settings around the world uh, where HIV genotypes are constantly accumulating uh, at these clinical research centers. Um, as a matter of fact, there is a lot of interest in implementing a system very much like ours, uh, especially in the United States. Uh, and that for that reason, um, uh, some of our collaborators at the U.S. Uh, Center for Disease Control, the CDC, 
uh, have asked for um, our source code, in which we uh, we agreed to share with them. Um, so the, this uh, the system that we've implemented in BC is kind of providing um, a groundwork for uh, building up similar systems around the world. On the other hand, it's not as easy because one thing that we really benefit from in British Columbia is highly centralized healthcare. Um, all of the clinical and genotype data, uh, demographic data, that's all integrated into one centralized database. Uh, and so it's sort of more difficult for um, other groups to implement a similar system, uh, for example, in the United States, where you don't have that centralization of, um, uh, of pro uh, providing care. There, there are some unique aspects to HIV AIDS, and you've got the genotype testing that's being done regularly. Is, is this applicable to other diseases? Do you, do you see this type of monitoring being used to control other types of outbreaks? This is absolutely applicable to other diseases. Uh, the prerequisites are that you need routine genotyping, so you have to have data that you can act on, uh, and you need um, a pathogen that evolves rapidly. Um, that covers many viruses, and it also covers um, bacteria when you bring in uh, whole genome sequencing that's possible, um, efficiently possible with uh, new next-generation sequence technologies. We're presently looking at translating this system to hepatitis C virus. Now, uh, HCV has become, uh, it's been brought to the forefront of, um, of uh, the clinical world uh, not only because it's highly prevalent in the uh, the baby boomer population as well as injection drug users, but also because of uh, the new generation of drugs, the uh, direct-acting antivirals, uh, that while effective are also prohibitively expensive, uh, and that may be an important uh, consideration for targeting uh, clinical services to core transmission groups in the population. That means that you need to have um, the kind of uh, insight into your epidemic that the, uh, the monitoring system can uh, confer uh, in order to be the most cost-effective. Art Poon, Associate Research Scientist for the British Columbia Center for Excellence in HIV-AIDS. Art, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.